Welcome to the Bradleyville Church of Christ podcast. We are a family of believers striving to be the first century church in the 21st century. We are located at 25861 State Highway 76 in Bradleyville, Missouri. Please join us for Bible study Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. with worship to follow at 10.30 a.m. Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. Now enjoy our lesson. Good morning. Well, because of COVID, we're all home today, so we're glad that you could join us for our uh, Facebook Live worship. We're going to sing a few kids sing songs. We're going to sing a few, a few songs out of our songbook, and then we'll have a lesson. Let's begin with a prayer. Our gracious and glorious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We pray you'll be with the sick and those who are struggling with COVID, and be with our church family that we'll all be safe and healthy today. Please help us, Heavenly Father, do our best to love you and to love your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What do you use a mirror for? Think about what a mirror does in our lives and the, and the role that it plays in our lives, the, the way that we use it to, um, to reflect uh, the world around us, but particularly ourselves. Um, every morning when I get up, I go in and look in the mirror, and, and if you're like me, the first thing you see in the mirror is maybe not the always thing that you want to see because you just come out of bed and you're all disheveled, but it gives you a true reflection of who you are. But there are times that we can distort a mirror, that we can, that we can twist a mirror. You ever been to a fun house before and you've seen a mirror there that's been made in a, in a crazy shape or it's been stretched in some way. So it doesn't reflect truth and, and that way it distorts the truth. It gives you a, a distorted picture of what truth is. If you've ever looked in a broken mirror before, you can see that it doesn't show you what the truth is. It shows, it, it shows a broken picture of what reality is. And sometimes people go through life looking at life as though they're looking at a broken mirror or they're looking at a distorted mirror. The Bible teaches us about mirrors and it gives us three mirrors that we want to consider today. We're going to look into three different mirrors today and we're going to determine which of those mirrors do we want to use in our lives. Which ones do we want to, do we want to discard or do we want to set aside? We're going to begin today in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you want to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to look at a, a dim mirror that Paul shows us um, paints a picture of a mirror that doesn't that didn't give a true reflection of truth to uh, a certain group of people and it may not give us true reflection of truth to us as well you might recall that first corinthians chapter 13 is the is the chapter of love and i i never can go there without having to read that passage so let's read what love looks like in our lives love suffers long and is kind love does not envy love does not parade itself is not puffed up does not behave rudely does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. He gives, Paul gives us a picture here of what abiding agape looks like, that determined decision to put the interests of others ahead of myself. In the context, Paul is speaking about spiritual gifts and so if we go back to chapter 12 we see that there was a struggle going on in the church of Corinth over spiritual gifts and Paul's trying to teach them that there are greater virtues there's greater things to aspire to than virtual gifts and notice what he says next he says but whether there are prophecies they will fail whether there are tongues they will cease whether there is knowledge it will vanish away for we know in part and we prophesy in part and we'll pause right there for a second and reflect on this the church when it first came into existence it didn't have the written word of God. It didn't have the full revelation of God. And so the church required the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit to reveal knowledge, to prophesy truth, to, to even to, to have miraculous knowledge. 
the, abil the ability to speak in tongues because they couldn't translate the Bible into different languages. They need to be able to speak the Word of God in languages they had been trained in. And so that church, in essence, was looking at the revelation of God through a, a mirror that wasn't fully revealed yet. It was like looking through a, a, a mirror that wasn't fully polished. Back in the days of, of Paul, they didn't have pieces of glass covered with silver nitrate on the back of them that gave a, a, a clear reflection like we do today. They might take a piece of, of metal and polish it, and depending on how much polish they had put on there, depending, it would, it would in, um, be a reflection of what kind of image they would get out of it. Or they might look into a, a, a creek or a river, you know, a, a still body of water to see it, the image of themselves. Or they might even take a stone and polish it. But you can see how those, those mirrors may not give a true reflection and, and by the same token this this partial revelation was not giving them a true reflection of the full revelation of God. Listen to what he says next verse uh, uh, he says excuse me <clears throat> but when that which is perfect has come that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child I spoke as a child I understood as a child I thought as a child but when I became a man I put away childish things for now we see in a mirror dimly the church in the first century was seeing the revelation of God, but they were seeing it dimly. But then he says, but when the perfect's going to come, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And then he finished with now abide faith, hope, and love, but the grace of these is love. Sometimes we may look at the Word of God through a dim mirror. We may look through at the Word of God through a distorted vision. Maybe things that we've been taught as a child. It may be things that we've read on the internet. It may be things that we've been told at work. It may be things that that are uh, from various sources, but they may cause us to distort the Word of God. And we don't plainly look at the revelation of God. We have the perfect will of God given to us now. Peter tells us in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Jude tells, Jude tells us that we're to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. We have the full revelation of, of, of Jesus Christ in particular. And so we don't have to look at God's Word through a dim mirror. We don't have to look at it through a distorted mirror or a broken mirror. We can sit down with the Word of God and we can study it and we can understand it in its full context. Back in those days, you can see how they might need to have to test the Word of God. John told the uh, his John told the disciples in John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, that they were to test the spirits to see whether they were of God or not. We have the Word of God that we can look at, and we can, we can see, as Paul says, face to face. We can know God as we are known by Him. Now, there are certain mysteries of God, there are certain aspects of His divinity and of His omnipotence and omniscience and omnipresence that we won't know until we get to heaven. But regarding the will that God has for us, we can know all things, and so we can look fully into the mirror of God's Word and see a reflection of ourselves, and that really transitions us into the next, into the next mirror that we see in the scriptures. Turn over to James chapter one. James one is going to speak about a mirror and what we do with a mirror. You know, if, when I get up in the morning, if I looked in the mirror and I saw a picture of myself, and I just said, "Nah, I'm going to ignore that," or as James is going to say, if I saw a picture of myself and I turned and I and I left the the, the bathroom and I forgot what I looked like. That's a, that's a misrepresentation of me, right? That's a misunderstanding of who I am. And James is going to teach us that there is a, there's a mirror 
that gives us a true representation of who we are. Let's look at uh, James chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. Therefore, laying aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man that he is. Notice what James says there. He says that we are to cut certain things out of our life. We are to get rid of filthiness, the overflow of wickedness. We are to receive with meekness the implanted word, the, the word of God that we just talked about. And we are to let it sink into our hearts. We are to let it, uh, let it save our souls to, to be a, a, a God's power and salvation for us. But notice what he says here. He says we can't just hear the word. We have to be a doer of the word. And so when Jesus speaks to us in the Sermon on the Mount, for example, and he says, um, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Is that just a good admonition to people who happen to be poor in spirit? Or is that, some, is that something that Jesus wants us to develop in our lives, that, that humility of spirit that seeks God's forgiveness and seeks God's grace and mercy? When, when Jesus tells us at the end, uh, he who hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. What does he mean by that? Does he, mean it's just, does he intend for us just to read that sermon and then just to put it aside as a good story? Or does he want us to incorporate it into our lives? And to make the point, James says, it's like looking in a mirror. It's like looking in that mirror in the morning and walking away and forgetting what you look like. Christians, we have been bought with the blood of Jesus. When we read the word of God and we implant it into our hearts, and yet we turn away and we don't live it out in our lives. We're like the person who looks in the mirror and forgets what they look like. And so we've got to be doers of the word. The way that we look into the perfect will of God, the perfect law of God, is by looking into it, writing into it into our hearts, and then working to live it out in our lives. Listen to what James says. Verse 23. Excuse me. Uh, verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, that one will be blessed in what he does. This perfect law of liberty here, Paul would call it the, uh, the law of the Spirit over in Romans chapter 8. And in, in Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, he speaks about the law of Christ. This is the, 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 the will of God that we live under that we call the New Testament. And James says when we look into that perfect law of liberty and we do it, then we're going to be blessed. We're going to be people who look into a mirror and we're going to see a true reflection of God's will in our lives. And then we're going to see it reflected in us. And we're going to want to live that life out. We're going to want to live in a way that, that glorifies God, that magnifies God, that, that brings out the, the, all the attributes of God that we can possibly live in our lives and, and shows it to others. Just turn real quickly over to Ephesians chapter, chapter 4. Where Paul gives a similar a similar characteristic here, and he and he speaks about the the fullness of the stature of Christ. He says in Ephesians chapter four that we should no longer be children. That sounds like what Paul said over in First Corinthians, doesn't? We aren't. We shouldn't be immature. We should put away childish things. He says that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about by every wind of doctrine. There's that idea of letting the world influence us, letting people around us influence us, letting the a teacher on the, 
on the radio or on a podcast or on a television show influences with false doctrine. He said, we shouldn't be carried around by that wind of doctrine, but by the trickery of man in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, that's the perfect law of liberty, right? The perfect will of God may grow up in all things in the him who is the head, Christ, to whom all the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share by uh, causes growth of the body for the edifying itself in love. And the, and the passage I missed is actually up in the previous is that we are to grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When we look into the, the perfect law of liberty and we write it into our hearts, we are going to be people who are not just hearers of the word but doers. We're going to be people who are going to make a, a difference in our lives. We're going to do things different than we did yesterday. We're going to say things differently than we did yesterday. We're going to walk differently. We're going to, we're going to think differently. And, and that's going to spread over to other people. That's going to be encouragement to other people to live differently, to, to make a difference in their life, to be encouraged and edified and built up, as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, that we all do our part to edify the body of Christ. I love it when we can all look into the same mirror, the same perfect law of liberty, and that we can know what God's will is, and we can do it, and we can be an encouragement to others. I hate it that we can't be together today because that's one of the reasons why, in addition to uh, underneath the idea of worshiping God, which is what we're doing right now, praising God and glorifying Him, to edify each other and to encourage each other. That's what we're called to do. And so we see that God gives us a perfect mirror that we can look into, that we can reflect upon. But that mirror does something else to us. And this is the last mirror we want to look at. This is in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we think about here the, the power that the mirror has. Now, let me, let me say this. The mirror doesn't, the glass mirror doesn't make me brush my teeth. The glass mirror doesn't make me comb my hair, but it reveals a truth of me that inspires me to do better, right? It inspires me to, to clean my face up and to do my hair and, and women to put on makeup if you, if you feel like you need to, to do things that, that make a, a person out of us that we feel happy with or that, that reflects a greater truth than what we want to see when we first walk in there. And God's Word has the same ability, but on a grander scale, not just to make up our outside, of the, the outside of this tent that we live in, but to transform our spirit, to change really to change who we are and our relationship to God. And this is the transforming mirror that we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, look at verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away, now, we pause here for just a second. We've got to understand what's going on here. Paul is going to use a reference. He's going to contrast the Christian's uh, hope and, the, the, in essence, the mirror that we're going to talk about in just a second with something that was going on in the Old Testament. It had to do with Moses, and it had to do with the veil. Hold your fingers there in 2 Corinthians, and let's go back to Exodus chapter 34. I want to remind you of a story of Moses coming down off the mountain. Moses had gone up onto Mount Sinai to receive the law from God. And he was up there in the presence of God for, for 40 days. Uh, he didn't eat anything. He didn't drink anything. Could you imagine fasting for 40 days? It had to have been through the providence of God that he was able to be sustained during that time. 
But there's something else that's going to happen to Moses while he's up there on that mountain. When he comes down off the mountain, he's going to have a reflection of God's glory. Um, Exodus 34, beginning in verse 24. It doesn't, excuse me, verse 29, sorry. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. That's the Lord he's talking with here. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, uh, saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out, and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. So Moses had been in the glory of, had been in the presence of God so long that his face reflected the glory of God. Wouldn't that be great to, if you could see the glory of God reflected in the faces of Christians around you? If, if, we, if we had been in the presence of God so long that his glory was reflected in our faces and it shone, but you notice what it did to the children of Israel? It scared them. They were scared of Moses because he reflected the glory of God. And what they did was they put a veil over his face. <laughs> they took a, a sheet of cloth and they put it over the face of Moses so they couldn't see the veil. And Paul's going to use that as an analogy here to, to show what was going on in the old law versus what we have today. He said, um, go back and read verse, uh, verse 7 again. But... Um, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong spot. Let's go down to verse uh, verse 13. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. He said the Jews were blinded to the reality of Christ in the reading of the Old Testament. When they read through the Old Testament, when they read those passages like the, the, the seed promise that God made to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, the seed promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 15, the, 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 um, the sacrifice of Abraham that he made of Isaac on the mountain and that, that foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Jesus. When you go through the writings of David, when you go through the, the Psalms and you read the prophetic statements that are made about Jesus, and you go through the prophets and you read about all the prophetic statements of Jesus, the suffering Savior in Isaiah 53, all of those pointed towards Christ. And yet when they looked at the Old Testament, they looked at it as though it had a veil over its face because they couldn't see Jesus. And Paul says that veil still exists. It still exists in the reading of the Old Testament today. When the Jew looks at the Old Testament, they don't see Jesus. They don't see the true image of Christ. They don't see the true image of God in His Word. But now he's going to contrast that. But even to this day, when Moses read, a veil lies in their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And so now he's speaking about the the, the 
the salvation of the Jew, but also the salvation of the Gentile, the salvation of you and I today. Where the Lord is, there is liberty. The veil's lifted away. We can see the true Word of God. We can see the true picture of God. We can go back to the Old Testament and we can see with 2020 vision the picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. But more importantly, we can see we have the perfect law of liberty today. And now he's going to bring in this, this, this transforming mirror. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. There's that transforming mirror. When we look into the perfect law of liberty, when we write it into our hearts, when we seek to live it out in our lives, we're not going to have a physical glow about our face, but we're going to have a presence about us. We're going to be transformed into the glory of God. And we're going to be different to the point that people are going to recognize that. Hopefully people see that in your lives. Hopefully people see that you're not a person that, that partakes in certain sins and so they don't talk about it when you're around. Uh, maybe you experience this uh, in, in your workplace where people know that you're not a person who curses and so they, they may modify their language when they're around you. They may not ask you to go do things with them after work because they know that you're a Christian and you don't participate in that. And it's not because you've had to lecture them on it or that you've had to, you've had to, to have maybe even sometimes even a discussion about it, but they just see something about you that's different. Hopefully that's the kind of person that we are, that we are being transformed in the glory of God. As we look into the perfect law of liberty, as we ride in our hearts and we seek to do it, we are manifesting the glory of God to the world. So they can have the veil removed. They can have that, that veil of disobedience or unbelief taken away. They can see the gospel of Jesus Christ for what it really is. The power of God and salvation. And they can believe and they can obey it and they can be saved. What a wonderful blessing it is to have the mirrors of God. We don't want to look at the word of God through a dim mirror. We don't want to look at it through a, a, a veiled mirror. We don't want to look at it through a, a distorted or broken uh, mirror. We want to look at it as, as it truly is as the Word of God, which is living and powerful. It's sharper than two any, any two-edged sword. It divides to, to the, uh, the bone from the marrow, the spirit from the soul. It has the ability to cut to the heart of every matter of life, and it can transform us. It can change us. Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. For more information about our church family, please visit our Bradleyville Church of Christ Facebook page. We hope to see you soon. Till then, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We hope you have a good day.